Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Kara's Care Show, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness for our mind, body, and spirit. I'm Kara Sundland. Today, we're talking about evidence-backed behaviors for a longer, healthier life with Dr. Laura Saunders. She is a psychologist at the Institute of Living, and she loves to give us a little practical things we can do to improve our mental health, but also today, our physical health. They're intertwined, right, Doc? You can't have one without the other. Yeah, that's, I think, um, something that we're all learning more and more, and especially since the pandemic. But these, we're about to go through some evidence-backed behaviors for a longer, healthier life. We see so much online, but what you're about to share with us is stuff that actually has been proven with scientific studies? Absolutely. It's all research-based. All research-based. So uh, this sounds obvious, but we're going to take a deeper dive. It sounds maybe a little bit obvious, but move your body because even a little bit of exercise can almost be like a natural Prozac for our mind, and it certainly helps our body, right? So our bodies were designed for movement. They were designed to be active. So the more sedentary you are in your life, the more different parts of your body, your bones, your joints, your brain, things break down if you don't use them. So move your body, keep active. And what I like to remind people is that you don't need to like uh, plan to run a marathon, right? You don't need to, there are so many things that you can do to be active. I mean, there's a huge pickleball craze. Like there's, you know, most every community has, you know, pickleball groups forming there's beginner groups. You don't have to be Billie Jean King to join pickleball. You can be a beginner. You can not be so good at things. And that's, you know, it's also the social connection too, that we're going to talk about, but um, you know, muscle math, strength, balance, balance is so important for us to maintain um, our connection to our body throughout our whole lifespan. So the more we move, the better it is. Yeah. So, and we're not talking about, um, as you mentioned, you don't have to be a big athlete, but even just getting out there and walking, there's so many benefits to just walking. Yes. And, and what, what the, uh, what the leading researchers in researchers in this area say is, you know, you know what the best exercise is to do the one you're going to stick with, whatever it is, yeah. if it's walking, if it's, if it's, you know, if you like bird watching, but you have to hike out to where you're going to watch birds, it doesn't matter what it is. It matters that you're going to do it on some kind of consistent basis. The American Heart Association recommends 150 active minutes a week. That might sound like a lot. I think it works out to about 20 minutes a day. Um, However, those 20 minutes can really add up. If you do five or 10 minutes doing this or five or 10 minutes doing that, you have to go to the grocery store, you park a little farther away, you take a little lunch break and you walk outside your building because um, we do want people to get a little vitamin D, although not too much out there today. But the more you are active, find small ways to be active mm. and it just helps your physical body. Right. And when you say consistency, I think starting is the hardest part. Since you're a psychologist, you know how our brain works. But um, a lot of when it talks about habits, if we promise ourselves that we're just going to do five or 10 minutes, something that we can start something easy with, that's better than saying we're going to go an hour every day, right? Yeah, because whatever is going to going to create success, right? If I say, you know, if I need to do 60 minutes of an activity today, and then I only fit in 10 minutes, and then I feel like a failure, and I didn't do enough, right? Start with five minutes, start with five minutes of an activity. 
And inevitably, everyone that does some type of activity, I don't care if it's a walk or a, or a hike or, or pickleball or, you know, weight training, you know, treadmill, I don't care what it is. Inevitably, people feel better after they've done it. It is, as you said, that natural Prozac, right? It's the that kind of rush of endorphins that that go through your body, and then it just cascades into making other good and healthy life decisions. I'm just going to throw it out there for people that something has worked for me. I like to pair it with something else I need, which is me time. So sometimes I don't want to exercise, but I might want to go be by myself or get a break. So if you listen like to a podcast or something that's just for you while you walk, just my little tip, it makes it more attractive. <laughs> right. Music, books on tape, podcast, this podcast, listening to Kara's Cures. Yeah. So you can do something just for yourself. Um, Make it and fun. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Yeah, make it fun, make it fun. All right, so number two, fruits and veggies. And I know this sounds so basic, but this, again, we're talking about research-based evidence. And what you found is there's a lot of different information out there about health, but the research shows just adding more fruits and veggies into our life can make a positive change for both our mind and body. Right. We're not advocating on any one particular diet or eating plan over another. I'm not even suggesting dieting, right? What we're focusing on is bringing in, adding in more fruit and vegetable to your diet. Because what do fruits and vegetables have? They have vitamins. They have minerals. They help your digestion. They do really good things for your body. So just, you know, and again, it's adding something in. The more color, the better when it comes to fruit and vegetables. So it's doing something little, but bringing it in. But we're not, you know, touting any one diet or or eating plan over another. It's just starting with bringing in more fruits and vegetables. Yeah, I will add that um, we're doing the detox right now, the Mediterranean detox um, with uh, Dr. Artemis Morris, who is a naturopath. And, you know, this is just meaning it's just that's exactly what we're doing. We're supposed to eat more fruits and veggies and we're eliminating processed food. So that kind of stuff, certainly she's talking about how it can reverse heart disease and things like that. But for our mind also, for our mental health, which so many people are struggling with, eating these healthier foods can make a difference. Yes, because actually what you're also doing is you're creating a little bit of self-discipline, right? Mm. You're, you're, you're having intentional behavior. You're creating a little bit more self-discipline. You know, you're, you're for now, you know, you're not saying you're doing it forever. I think what you're doing it like as a 30 day challenge, right? So this is a nice, (laughs) a nice, easy challenge to, to bring in some, some changes in habit and it's being more mindful about what you're putting into your body because what you put into your body affects your brain and it affects your mood and it affects your energy. Absolutely. I guess more and more studies coming out that when we're eating a lot of processed foods, there's a higher incidence of Alzheimer's disease, dementia. We're going to get to that. This next one, I have no problem incorporating more in my life if I can get it, but sleep. And it's so, so important for brain health. Sleep is so important for your brain health. That is where your brain does restorative things for your mind. And, you know, there's, you know, there's been different things written about how, you know, people, more and more adults want to stay up a little later because that's their, the, the final little bit of their alone time. Um, But unfortunately, the later you stay up and the time you have to get up in the morning generally stays the same. If you've got kids to get to school or you need to get to work or you have other activities, um, you know, it just reduces the amount of sleep. So 
consistently good sleep adds years to your life. Mm. And the more you can really prioritize getting good sleep, the better. I mean, there's all sorts of little devices. You know, I wear a Fitbit, you know, my Fitbit actually tells me the kind of quality sleep. I know for myself that actually the earlier I go to bed, the more deep sleep I get. So if I go to bed after midnight, I get less deep sleep. If I go to bed, you know, by 11, I get a little more deep sleep. I know that my deep sleep patterns are earlier in the evening. So that's, and that's me, but, but knowing that actually helps me make better decisions. So it helps me prioritize getting to bed a little earlier and getting myself the rest that's needed to restore my mood and my energy. A goal seven to nine hours, but again, even just uh, you tell us with our kids in the summertime, rolling their bed back bedtime back uh, fifteen minutes a day or something. So if you're only getting six, getting nine is going to sound really hard. But uh, right. you would start implementing by promising yourself you're going to try and get maybe ten or twenty minutes extra every day until you reach those goals. Right, and and you know again, it's it's just. For yourself, if you know you go, if you typically go to bed at midnight, um, you're not going to go to bed at nine o'clock, right? That's just too drastic of a change. But instead of you know giving your get into bed or or get yourself settled fifteen or twenty minutes earlier, and then try that for a while. Um, so it's it's sleep really is about habits, right? We create habits, habits around you know you know not eating right before bedtime or not doing strenuous activity, not doing things that sort of stimulate you. I mean, there is, they do want people to have a reduction in electronics and blue light. Um, so it's creating habits that provide more restful sleep. Yeah. All right. This next one, no smoking and less drinking. Why did you put drinking on there? Because people might not associate that with our mental and physical health. So no smoking is kind of a no-brainer, right? We we all know there's been scores of research studies about how bad smoking is for you. It's bad. Smoking, vaping, the whole thing. It's just bad. There's n- absolutely no benefit to it. That's easy. There's lots of mixed research, you know, saying, oh, you know, a, some amount of alcohol is good for your mental well-being or your, your emotional health. And I'm not going to debate any of those things. And I also you know that my style is that I'm not like an all or nothing person. I just want us to step towards more healthful behaviors. So it's just looking at the fact that the reality is alcohol is a toxin in the body. And so the more we can take steps to reduce. So if you used to have two drinks at night, start by having one. You know, there's guidelines in terms of number of drinks per week for men versus women. It's obviously more for men than it is for women. So just finding ways to reduce and step back your alcohol use, because the reality is actually alcohol negatively affects sleep. So, you know, if you are having a drink or two, the further away it is from your sleep time, the better. So your body's had some time to process it. So you're not drinking right up until the time you go to sleep because then it often causes like an, like an early morning and awakening or a period of time where you're awake. Um, so it alcohol is actually more disruptive to sleep. And, and people think, Oh, I need to settle down. Let me have a glass of wine so I can fall asleep, but that's not actually the case. No. And if you want to have that glass of wine, you're having a dinner, right. When you're also taking in some more fruits and vegetables, um, and so that's, you know, that's hours away from your, your bedtime. So you, you want to move any alcohol use away from your bedtime. 
um, and you want to decrease usage as much as possible. All right. And then also managing your chronic health conditions. So often we get overwhelmed, but this is basic. But make sure you're getting that physical and listening to your doctor so you can have a plan to attack that high blood pressure or the high blood sugar. Primary care and seeing your primary care doctor on a an ongoing basis is the best way to prevent bigger problems. Um, you know, so any any issue and we all have different things, right? Asthma, high blood pressure, cholesterol issues, you know, blood sugar. So many people are pre-diabetic. And they don't um, even know it. The more you can address health issues when they're smaller, as opposed to when they're more serious and now having more negative consequences for your physical health, the better. So managing them. So if you have, you know, a pre-diabetic condition, it's, you know, doing things that keep your blood sugar in a more manageable range or getting some exercise. So managing your chronic health conditions to the best of your ability. And when we talk mental health, again, I love to ask you about that because you're a psychologist. I I know um, as a mom with a kid who has ADHD, one of the things that you have to manage is that food, even for a young kid. But because they, um, you know, if we're not eating well, it does affect our mental health. We can get hangry or we can, uh, our moods can be, we can be moody when we're eating processed food. I mean, there's a big link there, right? Yes. And, and it's just, that requires some measure of insight and reflection on when I do this, this happens to me, right? So, I mean, insight and reflection doesn't always need to happen in therapy. It really should happen on your own, right? When I eat more processed food, I feel I have lower energy. When I go to bed later, I just feel terrible in the morning and it takes me all day to recover. And then I need more caffeine and then that caffeine affects my sleep. And right. And so it's an ongoing process. So it's that level of, of introspection and, and insight that we want individuals to develop about when I do this, this happens Mm. because then you feel empowered to make changes so that you're not caught up in a spiral of feeling out of control. Yeah, yeah. And then we can feel, like you said, more empowered, like I'm choosing this rather than, oh, I can't have that. I'm choosing it because I want to feel better, which now for kids, <laughs> since you are a child psychologist, as we talk about the food thing, how, you know, that you can battle with teens all day about them wanting Chick-fil-A all the time or eating candy or what's the best way to handle this? Because we know that our kids are going to feel better and do better in school when they eat better, but you don't want to be battling all the time. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, I look for more subtle shifts. You know, again, I'm not saying no no teen can ever have a piece of candy. That's just not realistic. And when you do those more extreme types of behaviors, it just makes people crave and sneak and, and you know, feel shameful about things. Yeah. So it's about adding in more healthful behaviors with the hope that it eventually then becomes more habit forming and substitutes for more unhealthy behavior. So when you're stressed, if you drink a glass of water or you eat an apple, as opposed to popping in a chocolate bar, um, you're just creating more healthful behaviors. You might, I'm not saying you're never going to eat that chocolate bar, but you know, when in some of those situations, doing things in a more planful and mindful way yeah. is what helps you make more positive changes. And, and you've talked a lot about self-care. That might be the simplest thing you could do, self-care. Can you make sure you carry a bottle of water or put some snacks in your glove compartment so that you won't just go with the drive-thru, but you can have some almonds or if you're crashing and not feeling well, like I, 
it took me forever to do that, but now I'm like, why did I not ever always keep snacks in my car? But what does it take? Two seconds to drop some, you yeah. know, packaged almonds in your glove compartment? But at least that's a way to take care of yourself. Yeah, but that that also is a level of insight and introspection. Hmm, I get really hungry around four o'clock in the afternoon if I happen to be in the car or driving at that time and I don't have anything to eat. I stop by McDonald's and I get something. So it's it's looking at your behavior, looking at some of your patterns and reali- realizing what can I do to take control over this and kind of change this so that I have the opportunity to make more successful decisions. And is that more of an adult thing? Is that what's called metacognition? Like, can kids do that or not really? <laughs> I think they can. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think parents often think we have to tell them what what to do and how to do it. Um, but, you know, kids do have some ability to self-reflect. Obviously, as they get a little older, the better it gets. And I think there's always some dip in self-reflection in, in teenagers, but um, they do have that ability. And they do have the ability to say, hmm, when I go to bed at one o'clock in the morning, because I didn't do my homework earlier in the day, I feel really lousy in the morning. So they do have that ability. You know, sometimes we as parents like to like to feel like we have to tell them when you go to bed after this time, you are miserable when you wake up in the morning. Um, But they often learn it better when they discover it themselves. Yeah, that experiential learning. And I know you're a big fan of letting natural consequences play out. That's a good good teachers. Um, I'm seeing that right now as Scott and I do the cleanse. You know, we're feeling better. Um, We just have more energy. So that's going to make you want to eat this way when you realize, oh, look, I'm having a better day. Um, Right. Let's move on to relationships. Research has shown that isolation and loneliness could be as dangerous for our health as smoking. Yes. um, it, it, It can. It is absolutely the social connections in our life. Because think about what this is. And I don't care. I mean, this can be a larger discussion, but there's a whole concept called the blue zones, right? That there's certain zones in this world where people have greater longevity, right? The the greater uh, numbers of centenarians, people that live all the way to 100. And if you're living to 100, you've got to be pretty healthy to get there. Um, And one of the things that they find in all of these communities is they have strong social bonds and social connections. And it could be, you know, the the group of men uh, having a cup of tea in the afternoon and meeting in the town square. It could be women, you know, doing things together, knitting, or it doesn't matter. The more we build social connections into our lives, the more it affects our health and our energy and our longevity because social connections are like brain connections. You're talking to someone, you're sharing something, they're sharing something with you. You're doing, you know, you have something to look forward to. We're going to get together again for lunch in a few days, or we're going to have tea in a few days, or we're going to do something again. You you know, that, that there's really, really uh, a lot of research showing how much social connections absolutely and positively affect your overall health. Yeah. So you say one of the things, you know, asking uh, your elderly parent um, how many friends they've seen or family seen, but we have to ask ourselves that too. Uh, if we are just going to work and then going home at night and just watching Netflix, that's not really good for our longevity or maybe our mental health. Not that we don't need that once in a while. Right. A, a little bit of downtime is fine, but right. I mean, according to, there was a Harvard study on, a, on adult development and what it found was that 
strong relationships, having social connections and strong relationships were the biggest predictor of overall health and well-being. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. My mother-in-law, um, she has a group of friends called the Crappies. It's so unusual, but they've been best friends since first grade. And they've all lived in the same town. And they go to the movies on Wednesday and they do these things. And even though she's gone through problems and divorce, and whatever, I do think, you know, that's one of the reasons she's so healthy and independent is she's got this circle of ladies. <laughs> and they've been right, friends Right, and those forever. are beautiful things to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, it- and, and as I said, you know, you can join a, the local pickleball group. You know, town libraries are great ways to make connections. Town libraries have different events. All towns, you know, have a youth and family services division, and they, they sponsor activities. You can do an activity through your town. They're generally pretty low cost. You can take an accounting class. You could you could do pickleball. You could take a, a, a yoga class. You can do something. You can go to your local library for a book reading. You can do things that help you connect. And when you're at that book reading, then you say hi to the person next to you and you realize that they live one street over and, yeah. hey, maybe we'll come here next week and meet. Right. So it's it takes some vulnerability, but it has long-term benefits and payoff. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. About. When you're a kid, it, it, it's all about friends, but we go to school every day or you're in college, you have built-in roommates. I think it's a lot harder to make friends as adults. And so do you have any advice for that? Especially you might have moved to a new location because of work and you just, it, it's different now and it can be really nerve wracking to make new friends. Um, yeah. Friendships through the life cycle are actually very interesting. And if I even reflect on my own life and, and I have a lot of very, very long-term friendships, people that I've known for, you know, 25, 30 plus years. Um, but but, you know, it tends to be that when your kids in school, you connect with other parents when your kids are in school or you have friends that are, you, you know, f- good friends from work or you have. And it's it's OK to have different friends for different occasions. Right. There's like reasons and seasons they say about friendships. Um, so the more you make connections and it's it's logical that you make connections in an activity that you're doing or at, at a in a work setting or, you know, parents of of classmates uh, for your children, or they're on the same baseball or lacrosse or soccer team. Um, So it's establishing connections where there is a point of connection, right? We're both parents and our kids play soccer, or we're both parents and our our kids do dance, or they're both happen to be in the same third grade class, whatever it is, really maximizing some of those connections as, as like a point of connection. Yes. And full disclosure, Dr. Laura Saunders and I first got to know each other because we were dance moms. (laughs) Yes, that is true. That's true. It's yeah. an aspect of my my identity I don't talk about often, but I am a dance mom. Yes, even though your daughter has moved on now to college, but yes, uh, um, you know that's and who knows you might make professional connections as well. But uh, so I guess it encourages us. Um, you know, who's I, I might be a little on the introverted side where I might like just want to you know read my book while I'm waiting. It, it encourages us if we know that it's about our health to um, branch out and and to try and make those connections even as an adult and not just stick with the friends you've all ha- always had. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and right, what's the old adage? Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. Uh, right, I learned that in Girl Scouts however many years ago. But that is really true. So there's always room in your life to make a new connection. Um, and that doesn't have to be, you know, that new connection could be the person that lives a street over and you both happen to walk your dogs around the same time and you sit, you chat for five or 10 minutes 
um, when you run into each other in the morning or the afternoon or the evening when you walk your dogs, whatever it is, it's having that connection and, and really, you know, allowing yourself to step into it. All right. Last but not least, this actually might be my favorite one. Number seven, as we talk about uh, scientifically proven ways to live a healthier, longer life. Number seven, a positive mindset that we actually have studies that show if you are an optimist, you might live five to 15 percent longer than a pessimist. So these, you know, these things are true. And I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna where everything's overly positive and overly effusive all the time. What I'm talking about is stepping into a more open mindset. So, you know, when you see that glass of water, not just saying, oh, it's half full, but it's half full and there's more I can put into it. Right. So it's it's really being uh, cognizant of how you kind of look at things in a more negative way and just making small shifts in how you think about things, right? So, right, it, it's easy to say it's such a gray day today, but I can also say, well, it was, it's not 25 degrees like it was last week, right? So just finding small ways to shift your thinking and bring in a little bit more positivity. Are we born wired to be more of an optimist or a pessimist? I consider myself an optimist, but some people just seem more pessimistic. Is that actually a trait we're born with? I do think that there are aspects of personality that lend people to be more kind of positive or, you know, optimistic or negative and pessimistic. But that doesn't mean that it's not within our capability of of change and, and sort of shifting the way that we think about things. So that's one of the things that you've taught us before, um, as we only have about a minute left over here. I want to encourage everyone, you don't have to do all seven of these, right? Pick one or two of them. And even if you do run a little pessimistic, um, cultivating gratitude, like asking just one little thing to be grateful for a day, we can start to change the connections in our brain. We can, we're not stuck with the brain we have. Right. We are all capable of making change. And, you know, as even if we just had to choose one or two of these to start with, we're going to start with moving our body. We're going to start with a little bit more of a positive mindset. We're going to do some things to help us think about things a little differently and feel more empowered to create change in our life. We don't need to do seven things at one time. It starts with one. So I'm going to make it a little Karis Cures challenge. If you've made it to the end of the show, I would love pick two right now pick one. Let me know on social media at Kara Sundlin. Um, they can follow you at Dr. L Saunders. You're now on Instagram. We forced you yep. to venture out, <laughs> out of your office into your... I'm learning too. <laughs> um, so this, this is, uh, this are all the sevens. Move your body and fruits and veggies and sleep. Sleep. No smoking and drinking less. And talk and- to your neighbor. Manage talk to, the, chronic talk to your friend. Talk to your friends. I'm going on. It's actually on the screen, Dr. Laura Saunders. Uh, six, prioritize relationships. And number seven, positive mindset. Thank you, Jamie, our director, who just wanted us to make sure we wouldn't forget any of them. So pick one or two. Um, make a commitment and, and, and ask yourself, what could I do to be a little bit more that way? Um, we could really change the trajectory of both our mental and physical health with these small, small changes that add up to big things. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Saunders. Thank you for having me, Kara. Hope you all out there having a great day. You can do it. We can all change together. Um, Wishing you a day of wellness. Have a great day and be well.